welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 103. That just feels weird saying three digits. Welcome to episode 103. I'm Mike Natal. And I'm Ryan Nilsson. We're your hosts, and today we're talking with Sabrina Rodriguez and Shauna Bronson about preparing children's ministry for the summer. Sabrina serves as the children's ministry coordinator at Hillside LBC in Succasana, New Jersey. Sabrina just got married to Zach this past November, and she's got 12 years of children's ministry experience that she brings to the table. Shauna serves as the Triumph Kids Director at Triumph LBC's West Fargo campus in West Fargo, North Dakota. She and her husband, Andy, have been married for 18 years and have three kids, and Shauna's got over 20 years of children's ministry experience. So we're so happy to have you both here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm excited. So we like to start out by asking a little bit of a lighthearted question. And since we are now over a hundred in episodes, we've actually come up with a new question. In the past, it's been, you know, what you like more, Star Wars, Star Trek. It's obvious which one's better. Then the next one that we did was favorite childhood cartoon. And so we've been kicking around a couple icebreaker questions. And the newest one that we came up with that we'd love both of you to answer is what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I'm kind of embarrassed to answer this question because I feel like no one's going to expect the answer. <laughs> so here I go. A mechanic in a Formula One team. Wow. Wow. I'm really into Formula One right now. And I don't know. I think it'd be cool to be a mechanic and be in charge of a side of the car, right? Because there's front end mechanic, back end mechanic. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Would you want to be the person that takes the tires off the cars and put it back on, or do you want to be the person who fills the engine? Here's the thing, though. They're all different jobs. Like, the person that changes the tires on a mechanic, they're just the person that changes the tire. So, like, there's people that are in charge of, like, the front of the car or the back of the car, and they, like, specialize in that area of the vehicle. Yep. So, I think that's, I don't know. Formula One's cool. So, maybe mechanic. I don't know. That's cool. All right. So, I don't know any sports, uh, cars, or, or that. Yep. If you're a mechanic, does that mean you're also on the pit crew for a race? Yeah. But then there's like the pit crew that only changes the tires or like lifts the suspension to change the tires. Or there's the mechanic that's sitting at the computer reading the data to determine like what needs to be changed for the car for the next race. So you want to lay like, hey... Uh, Sabrina, we need you to change the alternator. Yeah, but the irony is like, I don't know what the alternator is. I don't know if the Formula One car even has that. So that's the fun part. I don't know, but I just want to be like in Formula One. So cool. Yeah. That's my answer. It's very random. I know, but I'm very into it. That's quite possibly the best answer that we've gotten so far, which is great. I didn't know it was a competition, but game on. Well, I struggled with this question. I was like, okay, I should come up with something really exciting, like an astronaut or something like that. But I just went with the boring and true. And I guess I would be a children's librarian just because I like books and not as exciting. Or you could, I could go with astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> it's more interesting. So you can go with interesting or true. I'll go with one of those. That's great. That's a good answer. You could be the first astronaut librarian oh that's right because you know we have all this digital remote like i could do both at the same time maybe a library on the moon there we go i'm pretty sure elon musk has already thought of that children's library on the moon all right there you go 
So today we're, we're talking with you about some thoughts you have on summer ministry with children's ministry. And I, I think this is such an important topic, especially right now. A, a lot of children's ministries are kind of rebuilding, reinventing, trying all kinds of different things after the pandemic. So just to lead off here, one thing we're wondering about is this. If a church is starting summer programming for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, or maybe restarting after COVID, what are some good steps to take towards having effective summer programming, summer ministry for your church? Well, I would say one of the first things to do is just really know your goals. Talk to your leadership team, your elders, your pastor. I mean, what are you hoping to accomplish? And then really think through your resources and take one step at a time. I think we all know this season of COVID has had so much pivoting and uh, flexibility required that we're exhausted. And I think if you think you need to do everything all at once, it could just be very overwhelming. So my recommendation is just know your goals and resources and just start one step at a time. And to piggyback off of that, definitely knowing your goals, but also taking the time to not only connect with the leadership of the church and say, hey, what do we want to accomplish this summer? But trying to touch base with the parents and say, hey, what is it that you need after this season? How can we support you Hmm. in discipling your children after the hecticness that has been COVID? Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I know a lot of areas of ministry have seen major changes in who's available, who's volunteering, who's serving compared to before or during COVID. Have you seen that in children's ministry as well? Big changes there? Or has it been fairly stable going through all those different time periods? It's been challenging is an appropriate word, I think you can say. And challenging can be positive, right? We can say that I have been able to connect with new volunteers that I wouldn't have originally asked to help, but that's because we had no choice. I guess the challenging part has been is we at Hillside have had a drop in our volunteer. So it's just been more creative in how we get those individuals to realize what children's ministry is and how their skills can join in on the team and help in the fun that's Mm. going on. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think challenging is, is a good word to describe it, but there's also been unique opportunities. There's been people who have gotten plugged in who haven't before. And I would say even in the last couple months, there have been people that had taken a break for really the last two years for whatever reason, and now they are rejoining. And so I feel at the beginning of the school year, we had people who were ready to rejoin. And now they're being added to by new people that are rejoining, and that's bringing new momentum and energy. It's interesting to see how people are stepping back into rhythms at different paces. And so it's been challenging, but there have been great opportunities in that. Yeah, and I think that those opportunities, when people are given the mindset of the importance of something, I think that that really plays a big role into it. So that's actually a part of our next question. Why is summer programming so important for children's ministry? Also, why is VBS important? As we're going into the summer, a lot of people are asking those questions. And I think, too, the impact that we can see that having on their families. So what would you guys say as to why it's so important? Well, I think having opportunities during the summer is really important because we always want to stay connected with our kids and our families. Like at my own church, attendance does drop over the summer for a variety of reasons. 
it's still important to be here for families to know that just because things look different and feel different in the summer, that there is still an opportunity to connect. The church is still here for them and they can still be a part of what's going on. So I'll touch on VBS. Vacation Bible School, of course, is so important in our church, in all churches, but it's really a moment to break out of that routine of weekly ministry and reaching out to those families who are just truthfully grateful for free childcare throughout the summer vacation. And it's a safe place that they can trust. Kids can connect with friends from school again. The beautiful part is, is we get to share the gospel with them and show them that our church has so much more to offer than just a service on Sunday mornings. That's a great comment about routines and rhythms of ministry. And kind of leads us to our next question. What is different about summertime ministry versus school year ministry? Summertime ministry can be fun for me simply because it's so outside of the box. So here at Hillside, we are very regimented in our routine in children's ministry. So September to May, you can count on a Sunday school in our midweek program with some little activities throughout the week. And with summer, it's just so outside of the box. What's going on with this group of kids? Oh, they want to go to the lake. Let's figure out how to make them go to the lake. Oh, it seems like these parents haven't been connected. Should we throw a picnic? Should we have a movie night? So for our community, it's fun just because it's really catering to their specific needs in this season and reaching families that we don't usually reach throughout the year because we're doing things that are so different. Yeah, that's a good point. I think also when I think about our summer ministry at Triumph, so we're located in the Midwest and we definitely have a cultural shift in the summers here. I think a lot is due to the harshness of our winters and that when summer is finally here, people like to travel, they like to go to the lake. And so it's a very different setup in the summer. And so as we look at our summer programming, we try to be aware of our volunteer care and our resources in the summer. So it looks different. What I mean by that is we do our VBS at the very beginning of the summer while people are still around. And then for the remainder of the summer, we try to think through what can we provide that will be meaningful for families, but also takes into account that we have limited volunteer resources over the summer months. Because when we have too much in the summer, we can burn out the few people that always say yes and end up doing it all summer long. Another thing that we have going on this summer is a discipleship in the home plan to help families get more plugged into the word, whether they are here on a Sunday morning or if they're in their homes. So the plan that we have going on um, at our church at Triumph is our sermon series for the summer is on Psalms. And so for our kids, we are adopting Bible pals. And so what it is, is we have stuffed animals that kids get to adopt for the summer. Well, it's there to adopt forever, and they are adopting their Bible Pal, and they have their own summer reading plan. So the adults in our church are being encouraged to read through the entire book of Psalms, but I have a kid's reading plan for them to take with their Bible Pal and their reading plan so that they can read select Psalms for the summer as well. So whether they are here, radically or weekly, or just here for BBS, they have a resource to be connected to God's word throughout the summer. And Shauna pointed something out. That I think is very important for all of our churches and children's ministers, directors, volunteers to know is differences between children's ministry and churches is okay. She said it perfectly. They're in the Midwest and their cultural shift is lake time and they're gone and maybe their attendance lowers. Our community is similar. We're in New Jersey, so we have that Jersey Shore escape for the weekends, but there's a heavy camp 
in the beginning of the summer and then heavy camp at the end of the summer. So we try and sit right in the mm-hmm. middle with our VBS program. So I think I said this in a previous podcast we had with children's ministers, and I still stand by it and believe in it, where it is your lane, your rules for your church. So we can hear what we have to offer in different ideas, but grasping it and bringing it back down to, well, what does our ministry need today in this season too? And I, I agree with that. And I think as you said in an earlier question, it's really good to be aware of what are your families asking for, get the feedback from your parents, what would be a blessing to their family and what would help them in their discipleship of their kids. And that can be very different across regions and it could even vary from church to church in your own community. So I think just being willing to flex with what you're being called to in your ministry to the kids at your church. What I'm hearing from both of you in that you're sensitive to the rhythms of family life during the summertime. And I think sometimes it can be tempting to just get frustrated that people's priorities shift and where they are, what they're doing. Sometimes I think we will just wish it wasn't so or try to fight against some of those dynamics. And what I hear from both of you is you've identified ways to complement and adapt to what's happening in in the lives of families. And I think that gives you access to more families. That's awesome. I'd agree with that. And I think it can be challenging to live in the tension knowing that there are less people around, yet we still want to be here as a church. It's important to provide foundational programs for kids, but also realizing that there's going to be lower attendance of kids and volunteers. And I think it's good to live in that Mm. tension of how much can be provided and provided well, but also understanding that rhythms are different in the summer and living in that tension between the two and making a plan based on that. Yeah, I've heard of so many unique ways of people doing summer ministry. And what we really just touched upon is knowing what your community is looking for, being in touch with the community, but then also being in touch with your volunteers as well to see what they're capable of doing. Here, we do a five-day VBS at my church, but we have another local church that does uh, twice a month on Wednesday nights. They do a nighttime VBS, and it's been a huge success for them. And they're like, you know, and at first it started out as this is what our volunteers can handle. And then it's kind of morphed into, you know, here's something different for the community to do. And so I think the adaptability, like you were saying, Ryan, is really important. And this kind of lends itself into our next question, which is, what is the goal of VBS for your church and your community? So this may not be the best way to come up with goals, but when anyone asks that question, I just go with the first thought in my mind. So when you say that, the first thought is fun. Teaching the gospel is such a blessing and amazing, and we are so lucky that we can do that to our community, but we need to add that aspect of fun to it. We believe here at Hillside to have that layer of fun where these kids see, oh, church isn't lame, for lack of a better term, Hmm. and we can have a good time here, and there's people that support us and care for us and love us, and also Jesus. So fun is a priority here at Hillside for VBS, and we are definitely grateful for that in our environment. I agree with that. There is a unique opportunity with VBS to just do something fun and energetic and something that doesn't happen in that format during the school year. I think one of the goals when I was thinking through what our goals are for VBS is it really supports well the vision of our church. And the vision of our church is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. 
And when I think about BBS, it's fun and exciting. But when they come, they're able to hear the gospel. They're able to hear about what Jesus has done for them. Some of the kids for the very first time. So that primary goal is being able to present the gospel in this novel and fun way. And then a secondary goal would be just all the connections that get to come from BBS. And that is relationships between people that are part of our church, connections and relationships with people from our community, and even volunteers between each other. It really is a unique shared experience that we can have together while being in God's word. And touching on the volunteers, our VBS went through a really special shift last year where I worked with our youth director and I looked at them and said, I want you to take a step back from serving these kids and I want you to serve the teenage volunteers. And it's still so hard to put it into words what happened, but it was amazing. And to have a volunteer dedicated to the teen volunteers was beautiful. To walk them through the week to see a certain volunteer having a hard time, giving them stickers, and then at the end of the week, giving them awards for what they did, what Mm. they accomplished. VBS, we instantly think children, children camp worship to serve them and help them. But we forget, I believe, to think about the teen volunteers. So adding that to the mix was life-giving for our church because we had teenagers come back for youth group and now they want to come back and serve again. So it's part of that beautiful church cycle. So it's a good thing to keep in mind too, as you go into your planning stages for VBS, do we have a volunteer that we can dedicate to the teenagers. And if we do, how do we provide care for them? To just piggyback off of that, that was actually one of the very impactful things that I experienced while at Hillside. As a kid who grew up at Hillside, one of the best parts about VBS was what we did afterwards, where Keith Waldrich took us out and we went absolutely crazy. We went hiking at Hackle Barney or out for ice cream or to a farm, you know, and it made it feel like You know, we were doing this ministry together and then we were doing life together afterwards. It was really great. So I'm happy to hear that you guys are continuing to do that, which is really important. So much so that we still do the hiking at Hackle Barney and we still go get the ice cream at Cliffs. So, yeah, (laughs) that's great. I wonder if we should change it up a little bit, though. (laughs) I know that discipleship is really important to both of you and you you see some great discipleship opportunities that can happen through VBS but I know enough about VBS to know that that doesn't just happen automatically can you tell us about how do you see discipleship happening through your VBS ministry and, and how do you prepare for it how are you intentional about getting ready for the opportunities that will happen there I think it can happen at many different levels and it does happen at many different levels I think first, There's, of course, the discipleship with the children. And so it is really important that we set up our volunteers well to be able to answer questions and disciple our children. And so we have a sheet with Bible verses and tips in sharing the gospel with children that is part of our volunteer training for BBS. So that is a very critical component in how we train our volunteers for discipleship. But then to piggyback on Sabrina's earlier comments about mentoring our volunteer youth. We are very intentional about buddying our youth volunteers with strong mentors. And so 
the first year a person can volunteer for BBS is as a sixth grader. And so we are very intentional about who we buddy our youth with so that their partnership can be a positive experience. And so that youth will have that responsibility and that chance to grow and serve, but they have a built-in safety net, if you would. They have an adult and mentor who is there with them, helping them to be successful and to encourage them. Honestly, some of the most meaningful feedback I have gotten from BBS is when a youth volunteer or a youth volunteer's parent has told me about what was shared about their youth's experience as a volunteer in BBS. So it's just such a beautiful thing when we have different generations involved serving alongside. That's truly my favorite thing about BBS. Hearing you talk about it, I just think how, yes, of course, I love seeing our sanctuary filled with all of these children singing these amazing songs about God. But there's something so cool about seeing that 13-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy who got forced to volunteer because grandma's watching them for the week. And then at the end of the week, they're like, this place is so cool. I'm really going to miss it. Like, also, I don't know why it's always the boys that you're so amazed with, but I mean, (laughs) I guess because it's that nurturing aspect is harder for them. So to see them being able to want to serve younger children or want to be a volunteer, want to come back for youth group, Mm. I think that's the most beautiful part about VBS. And when we think about it too, right, as we're planning It doesn't have to be so extravagant is the word that keeps coming to mind. It can be a simple volunteer meeting in the morning. And then during that volunteer meeting, you say the lows and the highs. It can be a Bible that you want to give to a student. It can be reaching out to the parents of campers and say, hey, how did you catch our volunteers being good this week? And telling the volunteers that. Sometimes I think when we plan things we have this image in our mind of make it Instagram worthy or what is that church doing on Pinterest and let's be super hip and cool. And it doesn't have to be that. I would agree with that. You know, I was reviewing photos. We have somebody that their job is to be our photographer at BBS. And I was going through photos of last year's BBS. And there were all these moments that I didn't even know about that were obviously happening throughout the whole week. And it was a child smiling and joking with their youth volunteer or whatever. It was such a neat thing to know. I didn't really plan that. I couldn't have put it in my ministry plan that this child is going to work on this craft with this youth. And then they would read verses together because of their conversation. You don't really plan that, but it happens when you put people together in a room around God's word. And it's a beautiful thing. That really gets to the heart of what churches are all about, right? The making of disciples and you're creating this space. It's not just you engaged in disciple making, but you're making it possible for other people to do that as well, equipping those young leaders to be impacting those little kids. That's I love hearing that and, and just seeing that disciple making happen an extended level away from us. It's not just the staff people, it's not just the leaders. You're involving other people in being disciple makers. That's so cool. So what have you guys learned about the importance of volunteer management? You know, as we've been talking about discipleship, a lot of that comes with intentionality. And so I'm wondering what you guys have learned from volunteer management and what are some principles that you keep in mind as you lead that team effectively? I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is appreciation of our volunteers. 
they are coming from different experiences and confidence in working with kids. And so I think knowing that they are appreciated and that we see them and that we love that they are part of our team is critical. And that can be through a standard rhythm of giving appreciation, whether it's a postcard that you always give to every volunteer, whether it's a gift, whatever it looks like for you, there can be intentional across the board appreciation opportunities, but it can also be as simple as you notice a volunteer did something really special, or it could be something very simple, like they helped open the snack or open the glue stick for a little one. And just sending a text message to that person, writing a handwritten note, just those little opportunities that our volunteers to know that we see them and we appreciate them. So the question says principles that you keep in mind leading the team and principles are like those pillars. Like this is what holds our ministry up and guides us in our choices that we make. And kindness is the one that just comes to mind meeting these volunteers where they are. If we're thinking specifically in terms of BBS, I have volunteers that are 13, 14 years old, all the way up to 70s, 80s. And those 13, 14 year olds, this is the first time they're volunteering. Some of them only volunteer at BBS once a year. So meeting them where they are, providing them with the skills they have, but also being kind if maybe they make a mistake and saying, oh, you did that wrong. That's okay. Let's figure it out. I completely agree with that. And I think a part of that meeting people where they're at is understanding what their gifts and ability are and affirming them for who they are. For example, I have some volunteers who are very timid and the idea of doing something up front of a large group would be very, very intimidating to them. But if they had a job like serving snack or preparing crafts, that would be very life-giving for them. And they would feel like they were contributing in their area of expertise. I have other volunteers that if I were to put them in a quiet job in the supply room, they would, they would, they would be so lonely. They would want to be in with the big group. And I think <laughs> part of, of meeting people where they're at is just acknowledging and affirming the gifts that they have and let them know that they are part of the body of Christ, however it is they are able to serve. You know, a couple of the big challenges of, you know, serving volunteers effectively comes down to communicating expectations and just helping them be ready for the day. What do you guys do to help when you're recruiting somebody? Where does communicating what's expected, how does that come into play when you're recruiting? And how does that come into play too when you're in VBS and you're day-to-day? How are you communicating the plan and what's expected on a daily basis? So if we're talking about recruiting, I am very intentional with beginning with the registration process of the different options that can be done. And if I spot an individual that I realize hasn't volunteered yet, singling them out and saying, I realized you haven't volunteered yet. I think you'd be great in the crafts. Do you want to do snack? And just explaining to them, you don't have to do it all five days. Do you want to just do Tuesday morning? We would love to have you. Specifically when we're thinking about the recruitment aspect. So you ask them, do you want to do this job? And here's the time frame that it would take. And I see you've got Mm -hmm. what it takes. You could do this. Right. Because how would you feel if someone came up to you and they were like, hey, Mike, you would be so great doing games. I noticed that the way you play basketball is really great. And these kids would have so much fun with you versus 
Mike, I'm desperate for help. Do you want to do games? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a very night and day difference, <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try to be intentional. And I'm also very good at finding the volunteers that are good at getting the volunteers. So finding the people that I know that they can really single in and get those people to sign up and help out. I agree with that. And then as we get past the recruitment phase, then we get to the training phase. And so one of the things we do to set up expectations well is we do have a volunteer training night where we do have a handbook. And it's really interesting about our volunteer handbook and that we have volunteers who read everything in the handbook and will ask me questions throughout the days following training about all the things in the handbook. And then we have other volunteers that that is not the way they read the handbook. And so it's this interesting blend of people that want very detailed information and people who want the overview. So what we do for our volunteer training is we give the full handbook to everyone and we ask people to sign off that they have received information. And then our training then is hitting the main bullet points, referring them to where to find the information they need so that we can really prioritize what information is given and what information is digested. And then we do provide a a makeup training digitally for people who can't be at the training so that we have done our part to give all the expectations out there in advance. And then each day of VBS, we have a pre-class prayer and announcements. And I would be dishonest to say that 100% of my volunteers come to that training and announcements. I go in with the expectation that if I can get the bulk of the people there to hear the announcements and those expectations, and then I ask all those volunteers to help spread the word for those people that weren't able to be there, that helps us to be able to set up a culture of being prepared and knowing what's going on and being ready to be game on for the kids. Hillside does that too, where every morning we have our volunteer meeting We may entice them with breakfast, bagels, and orange juice goes a long way. And we just take the time to do the announcements, like Shauna said, but then also maybe touch on the day before. Hey, a lot of you guys forgot to do this one thing. Let's do that a little bit better today. Or this is stuff that went really great. And we take that time to teach them the Bible story and pray for them and just be a little bit more intentional with those group of volunteers. We do door prizes for our pre-class meeting and prayer, and that goes really well, too. That's awesome. That's amazing. We do. What door prize? It varies each year. Usually, it's it's a gift card to the yogurt shop or whatever. So we have two to three little gift bags per day, and then the volunteer kids are invited to come with to pre-class prayer because none of the volunteers are receiving kids yet because we all want them at the meeting. So then the kids usually are the ones that get to to reach in and choose who gets the prize for the day. The kids are very excited about it. So I think, honestly, sometimes it's the kids who want to get there to see if their parents will win the prize. That is a genius, genius idea. Yeah, Everyone do that. I love all that you've shared. I mean, I, I know as a volunteer, what I just can't stand is it's so hard when you don't know what you're being asked to do. You don't get equipped to do it. And that's just kind of the worst feeling. You're describing some great ways to avoid putting somebody in that situation. That's cool. That's that's awesome. Our last question here, you know, VBS can be a great form of outreach. How do you make sure that it's a, it's a great outreach? And do you do any other outreach work that's tied to it, like either leading up to it or, or following after VBS? How do you make the most of VBS as, a, as an outreach opportunity? So in the past years, what Hillside has done is we've had a movie night at the end of VBS on the final night. And that was great. We did a movie night. We invited all the attendees of VBS, the community. We had a 
taco bar, popcorn. So we really took advantage of the families coming in throughout the week and had them come join us for the movie night on Friday. Last summer, we did summer in the parks. So after VBS, we would meet Wednesdays at the park. We were more intentional with reaching out to those families and those children that attended BBS to try and get them to stay until our fall ministries kicked off. Those are really great ideas. It's so fun when there are opportunities to invite afterwards. For us at Triumph, a couple of things that we're doing associated with BBS is we do invite all the kids back on the next Sunday after BBS to sing in church. And so we have two sessions of BBS at our campus, a morning session and an evening session. So Regardless of which session they attended, they um, are invited to come back on Sunday morning to sing. And then we also, one of the questions in our registration is we ask them, do you have a church home? If so, which one? That gives us some really important data in where are these kids coming from if we're meeting them for the first time. We invite everyone across the board that if you don't have a church home, we would love to invite you to, to continue and join us. And we get that information out across the board. But then for those that don't have a church home indicated, then we do personal follow-up. I provide some of that information to our pastors. And we just find a way to just be a little bit more intentional and in inviting them and seeing if they have questions since they haven't been plugged in before. And then we also invite people back in the fall when we start up our more traditional calendar. Super cool. Well, that wraps us up, unless you guys have any final thoughts or words of encouragement to those who are listening. But you guys did great. So thank you for being our guests today. To our listeners, we thank you for joining us today and listening. We hope that you retain a lot of this knowledge and you implement it in your churches moving forward. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, and we'd love it if you would share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. We thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.